report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This is it. He lays a Welcome to a special edition of the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Tom, and I'm joined today by my friends and co-hosts, Stephen and William. On today's show, we have a very special guest joining us. He is a writer for Entertainment Weekly and was the host of the opening panel at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim with J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy. He is also the author of the book Brutal Youth. He is Anthony Bresnikan. Anthony, I would like to welcome you to the podcast. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here among fellow Star Wars fans. Man, I'll tell you, when you did that opening panel and you were talking about how Star Wars touched you and your first experience with it, yeah, I, I loved how you did it. For those who were not there at Celebration, could you kind of kind of say that again? Because it really hit home for me because I remember seeing it my first time with my dad and he was cracking up when uh, R2-D2 got nailed by the Jawas and fell over. <laughs> uh, Right. But I know you had your experience, so let's hear, let's hear yours. Yeah, I mean, the reason I brought it up uh, as the intro to that panel was that I don't think it's that different from the experience a lot of people had. Everybody can remember their first encounter with Star Wars. It's a momentous event in a young kid's life uh, or a grown-up's life. Uh, you have a lot of people who, you know, remember taking their own kids to see it. They're older now, but, you know, they, they remember going to see this little sci-fi movie in 1977. So but to kick off the panel, um, I guess what you have to know is uh, Lucasfilm and J.J. and Kathy were uh, telling me, well, OK, so we're we've got I think it was like about 6000 people give or take, in the arena at the Anaheim Convention Center. And that's a, that's a big room. That's as big as Hall H in uh, Comic-Con, which is the biggest yeah. room there is in people entertainment. people can actually get in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And um, they also live-streamed the thing. So we didn't know who would be watching, how many people, but it was open to anybody. And, you know, I hear there are some Star Wars fans out there in the world. So... Um, my job was to kind of take this big community, and right before I went out, they go, oh, by the way, China has come online. We're, we're, it's a big deal that we got China to open up and let us live stream this event, so mention that. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, wow, there's nowhere on earth I can hide if I faceplant. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, my job was to go out. I had a little bit of business to pass along about the emojis that you could get on Twitter and um Otherwise, my job was to make everybody kind of feel like it was a little bit more intimate than it was, you know, mm-hmm. that you're not just one person out of thousands sitting in this arena or one out of millions watching at home or at work. A lot of people saw it at work. I was getting yeah. texts from friends of mine. Oh, yeah. but, but to make you feel like you're, you're sitting around with friends, with JJ and Kathy and the new cast and the old cast. So, you know, my, my, my goal and what JJ and, and the Lucasfilm folks said was go out and just say something about what Star Wars means to you. And also, they're going to be spending an hour with me. They should know I'm not, um, I'm not alien to this property, you know, that I'm not uh, just coming in cold, that it means something to me. It means something to you. So uh, what the story I told was I, I came out, I did my little thing with the emojis. You got to do, you know, if you want to tweet C-3PO. And then I realized everybody's laughing because they misspelled C-3PO. 
on the <laughs> yes, big screen did, yes. behind me. <laughs> like, you know, that was news yeah. to me. I, didn't, I had no idea until later. Well, um, I think I think Anthony Daniels even said at one point CP3O as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He he came out of the end, and he was wa- they were watching from a screen backstage, so they had they re- realized that I had no idea. Um, and and when he said that, when he was like, you you know, your your faithful servant CP3O, I was like, is he having a stroke or something? <laughs> like, what? How could you? That doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. And you've played this character for forty years. But what I said was, um, you know, I came out and, and said. Um, you know, how many people remember their first time and everybody applauds and uh, first time seeing Star Wars, that is. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, you know, what I remember about it was being four years old and racing to the movie theater to see my first film. And at that age, the barrier between fantasy and reality is very thin. You believe in Santa and you believe in the Easter Bunny. So movies are when they're a new experience it's a very visceral very real experience and we got there late and it was summertime so we were sweating our asses off uh racing to get into the theater and the movie had already started and when we got in it was already dark and we were waiting in the aisle to find our seat and but i was just transfixed by this screen because i'd just come out of this swampy sweaty environment of pittsburgh in july or whenever it was it was hot and, um, and suddenly I'm in the air conditioned movie theater, but I just feel this cold air coming down and there on the screen is this snowy landscape and these imperial walkers in the distance thundering forward. And to me, that wasn't a movie because I didn't know what a movie was. Mm-hmm. It was like a window into another world. And that gave me the opportunity to kind of segue in and say, now let's talk to two people who are opening that window again, JJ Abrams and Kathy Kennedy. And what I hoped people felt was, uh, not my experience but their own remembering mm-hmm. when they first saw these films and why they mean more than movies you know there are a lot of really popular films out there but people don't take vacations and go to their conventions to celebrate them and they definitely don't endure for 40 years the way star wars has so it's a unique story mm-hmm. and there's nothing else like it uh and i think it means something to people beyond what uh, your average film means for sure Right. Um, well, you want to take the next question? Cause I know that you put one on here that, that, um, well, yeah, sure. I, I was curious. Uh, what was, what did you think when you got the, uh, the call to host this panel in front of, you know, as you said, a live audience of 6,000 people and, and live streamed around the world. Just fantastic. First time I've ever done that at a celebration. What, what did you think? And, and how did that kind of come about? Um, it came about the day after the Oscars. So it's Monday afternoon wow. and I was, um, I, I covered the Oscars uh, for the, for entertainment weekly. And, uh, so I was, I was pretty beat. It was the kind of the tail end of a, of a long run there. And, um, I was writing my Oscar feature for the magazine, which closes on, a, on Monday evening. So uh, I was writing up sort of this feature about being behind the scenes and backstage at the Oscars, and the fire alarm went off in our building, and uh, wow. the power was cut. So there was no internet connection. You know, there's no way of, of of getting my story to the people in New York who needed to edit it. So I had to leave, and I didn't have time to drive home because I live way outside of uh, where our offices are. Um, but I went to a coffee shop, so I was there, like, trying to, like, bang out this story on deadline, and then a call comes through, and I almost didn't answer it just because I was really busy, mm-hmm. and, uh, but it was Disney, and uh, it was uh, 
a publicist there named Brian Stankovich, who uh, she handles just like the coolest movies of all time. You know, all the Marvel movies, Star Wars. So when she calls, it's usually something interesting. So I answered and she uh, said, hey, you know, what are you doing on, I guess it's April 16th. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we're having this Star Wars celebration panel and we'd like to know if you'd like to moderate it. And I felt a mix of extreme happiness and extreme panic because as much as I'd love to do it and do it well, uh, the prospect of blowing it really scared me because like I said, there's nowhere to hide. It's not like you can say, well, well, maybe nobody saw that, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, you know, we've all seen these panels that go badly where the person interviewing, uh, the people are, is obnoxious or, you know, doesn't know what they're talking about and, um, or freezes up. And Mm -hmm. I didn't, uh, I I didn't want to say no, because I was afraid, but I was definitely afraid. <laughs> so I, I thought you guys would be sitting there in the Entertainment Weekly office is doing a rock, paper, scissors, or just like something where somebody's going to be like, I've got to do this. But that is so cool that that's how you found out. Yeah, no, it was, it was, um, and it came about because um, they, JJ and Kathy, well, I knew, I've, I, I'm actually fairly new to JJ. I, I, I haven't known him for a long time. Just, just on this movie, um, mm-hmm. other reporters have dealt with him on other projects. But um, uh, I've, I've covered a lot of Steven Spielberg movies, and Kathy Kennedy is uh, like one of the primary producers that he works with. So I knew her really well. And back in November, I wrote um, a piece about Star Wars and the new trailer, which came out right around the time, well, exactly at the time my, my grandmother passed away. Mm-hmm. The trailer dropped at 10 a.m. on Friday after Thanksgiving when her funeral was, and um, leaving the funeral uh this after this sort of uh brutally emotional week uh going back to my hometown pittsburgh seeing my family which some of them i don't get along so well with (laughs) uh it was a pretty draining experience and here i what i should have been doing was covering star wars you know covering the trailer that was that's my beat at the magazine so it was kind of like prepping for this for months and then you know, the trailer finally comes out. It's this big moment, really more than a trailer drop, like a big pop culture moment. If you think about all the, right. the, yep. the all the imitations and the way people dissected that trailer and what it meant, what it just means for uh, the continuation of this story uh, is a big deal. And, uh, and it wasn't until I was actually leaving the church basement part, dinner, wake, whatever you want to call it after her funeral that uh, I was driving back to the airport to fly back to LA my brother Greg he was driving back to Virginia and we kind of just had this moment where we stopped in this church parking lot which kind of overlooks our whole town it's up on a hillside so you could see the sort of snow swept landscape below all the little houses and churches and the bridge in the distance and and I just said to him do you think we'll ever be back here again we grew Mm -hmm. up here but we live other places and grandma was sort of our last connection here do you think we'll be back and he said no I don't not together probably not and um, we turned to leave, and uh, after saying our goodbye, on the, really closing the door on this part of our lives. And as I got to my car, I heard my brother call out, hey, did you watch the trailer yet? <laughs> Which, um, you know, was not, was not priority number one that day. It was uh, right. saying right. goodbye to our grandmother. And uh, I said, no, I haven't. So we walked back, and he got out his phone, 
and we stood there and shielded the phone from the afternoon sunlight and we watched the trailer and tell you what after all that we'd been through the previous week that trailer felt mighty good just to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the fact that it was cool the fact that it came at a time when we could just both use an escape that was nice but also it made me realize that that was uh my last little run as a kid with my brother that was our last we got what we got for whatever it was 88 seconds (laughs) yeah it was somewhere around there yeah and for 88 seconds we got to be not anthony and greg the adults with families of our own and responsibilities but we just got to be two kids and um after saying goodbye to our grandmother it was nice to share that moment so i I wrote about this experience and i thought it might be something i just post to facebook and and, Mm. but my i showed it to my editor and he really liked it and he said why don't you put it on the web and again it's one of those things it's my story but uh when we put it on the website i mean you know they say never read the comments because most people are who comment or like trolls or jerks or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know I mean, where you're coming from. Yeah. People were commenting and it was really remarkable because it's, again, it's just my, it's just one guy's story, mm-hmm. but there are millions of them out there, but that's where the power of those stories come. You tell me about your birthday party and your R2D2 cake. I'm going to be transfixed because I was probably at a party like that, you know, and it's something like the force that surrounds us and binds us. <laughs> and, um, uh, I, I was really amazed the way people read that story about, and it started out with me describing as a kid, trying to explain who all the different star Wars characters to my grandma, who had no idea, you know, she's looking at these action figures, like who is this? <laughs> and, um, and, um, and it ended with the idea that for a few seconds there, we got to be kids again. And then that was gone, you know? And, um, we published it. And one of the people who read it and really liked it was JJ Abrams. And he called me and, um, you know, it was around that time. This would have been early December. He he said, I'm ready to reveal some of the character names. And we were going to do it in this cool way and just drop them out there. But really like that piece that you wrote. And he'd read it. I think he'd read a couple others that I'd done. uh, Sort of in a similar vein, but being a kid, making your best friend because you both love Star Wars, you know, five years old. That sort of thing. I'd written a bunch of things like that. And he liked the way I'd covered the, the movie up until that point. And um, he said, we, we're going to reveal the character names. You get this. How about if we share them with you? And he said, I'm going to send you an email and I want you to call me back. And what he emailed me were those top trading cards that they had made up. That is featuring, yeah. featuring all the names of the characters. And I thought, mm-hmm. well, this is... This is a guy, I mean, it was interesting like that we found each other because I think he looks at me and says, here's a reporter who, um, who gets that these movies mean something more both to the fans and to people like me who are making them. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh, here's a filmmaker who gets Star Wars, who understands <laughs> the importance of those tops trading cards <laughs> which we, we all had if we grew up. Right. And... Um, and uh, so I called him back and I said, yeah, I think this is cool. I'd love to put it out. And he said, great, go for it. And I was like, now? And he goes, yeah. So that morning we published those images and uh, revealed those character names. So that's how that little piece of news came about. And, and that experience led to them asking me to moderate the uh, Force Awakens panel. And uh, I just feel really lucky because um, uh, these movies do mean a lot to me. And mm-hmm. I'm, I, I love the idea of uh, 
playing uh, host and game show host, or whatever you want to call it, well, being able to ask some questions that sort of bring the fans a little closer to. And, and I have to say, Anthony, you did a really, really good job during that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. I, Thanks, I, I loved it. But I do have to ask you this. We do get Entertainment Weekly, and I did read your article there about the a new force revealed. And am I to understand that there was a private dinner the night before? Were you there, and were you nervous at all being there with, from what, what it appears in this article, the full cast around I the table? I was there. I was there. So what happened oh, was we um, we walked through the uh, the presentation the night before, and um, usually the way this happens is no, there's no rehearsal. Like at Comic Con, I've moderated panels there, and you basically you come out, you introduce the people who are coming, and uh, you ask your questions, and then you wrap. You, you know, and um, wrap it up. You don't, you know, hip hop mm -hmm. rap. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> in case there's any confusion. Um, but uh, <laughs> he, here there was a little more orchestra, there was a little more activity, you know, because we had the, the droids that we were going to march out or roll out, and the, um, the there's a little choreography there bringing on the, the new stormtroopers and uh, the you know, the, the, the original cast, the veterans of Star Wars, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher and Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew. So, right. um, so we were kind of walking through uh, also the questions that I would ask. And they definitely had some that they wanted to address. Mm -hmm. They wanted to talk about the Force for Change charity thing, which is right. totally cool. Like, and that's the way for fans to get engaged. But, you know, that was like their one of the main things they wanted to talk about. And... Um, you know, I had things I wanted to talk about, and we interestingly kind of met in the middle. I think in originally Lucasfilm and Disney, I don't know if it was JJ himself and Kathy, but the, the people who were coordinating this had outlined like, well, you, you know, they don't want to talk about the plot too much or the characters. So ask about, ask the actors what it was like to be cast as Finn, to be cast as Ray. Uh, you can talk about locations. We can talk about, um, you know, J.J.'s history with Star Wars, which we did. Mm -hmm. But as we were walking through that, uh, J.J. goes, you know, do you think this is not interesting enough? <laughs> and, and I had to say, yeah, you know, I think what the fans want, what they want to hear from Daisy and John and Oscar is not about the audition process, which is just mm -hmm. kind of the usual thing. And he was like, yeah, there wasn't anything... It wasn't like it was a, a unique experience. It's just how any movie would be cast. So, you know, you audition hundreds, maybe a thousand people, and then you choose who you think is best. And that's just not going to be... It's not inside the actor's studio. It's Star Wars Celebration. So um, at that point then, he said, okay, we're going to have them talk a little bit about their characters. And the funny thing was, they, they did not want to do that. They had... Really? They had been trained and scared or whatever... <laughs> Uh, to not talk <laughs> about the movie under any circumstances and, or talk about it in very oblique terms. Right. So they didn't want to, they were really hesitant to talk about that. And when they did, they kind of looked at JJ like he was a good, like he was going to wolf out on them or something. And he was like, <laughs> I, I didn't notice that, that, that kind of look on stage as well. Yeah. They weren't supposed to, they were supposed to, you know, get over that because we, <laughs> then we sat around a table and um, this is before the dinner, but we just sat around the table and I said, okay, well, you know, 
we can't talk about the plot of the movie yet. And the reason they're holding back on that is not to be, uh, you know, hard to get, but because there is seven months to go before the movie comes out. And if people mm-hmm. start to feel like they have heard too much, right. you almost feel like mm-hmm. you've seen the movie or didn't that already come out? I mean, in right. a way, I feel like that happens with a Avengers Age of Ultron. Like that movie hasn't come out yet, but I kind of feel like we've heard so much about it at this point that it almost has. And um, right. you don't want fatigue to set in. So they're holding back because they want people to be excited closer to when the movie comes out. And I understand that. But we, we got the, uh, you know, a couple of things I mentioned was that people are genuinely confused about whether John Boyega plays a stormtrooper or whether he plays somebody who's in disguise as a stormtrooper. So J.J. agreed, John, you can say, I'm a stormtrooper. And he mm-hmm. kind of played around with it and, like, if you're watching the live stream, he kind of he kind of nods. It's a little bit hard to pick up on. Like he nods like he's yeah. afraid. And JJ, mm-hmm. oh yeah, JJ, I saw that. JJ yeah. slapped him like like that was all <laughs> that was all just sort of spontaneous. Okay, uh, I was John, wondering if that was like kind of staged or if it was just spontaneous. No, it wasn't. It felt genuine, but I wasn't. You know, it well, actually was, and I was kind of like, oh, now there's still going to be confusion because John was just supposed <laughs> to unequivocally say, "I am a stormtrooper," you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and. Uh, and they were almost like hesitant to say names. Like then I meet a character and have an adventure, and it's like right. you're supposed to say then. <laughs> then I meet John, and we, you know, or Finn, and we flee through the desert together or something. Mm-hmm. So right. they were very. They actually didn't go as far as they were supposed to, uh-huh. uh, or, or they were permitted to, and um, and you know there were things I thought. I was really happy they they were they were open to talking about uh, Harrison Ford. I think it's important to address that right. and give people an update on how he's doing. <laughs> you know, I'm sure he was watching from home. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows how crazy he is for these fan events, but um, you know, uh, it's everyone, right? Oh yeah, he's usually in disguise, but uh, you know, maybe he'll be there for Comic Con. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? He, oh, that would be great. Yeah. He's done Comic-Con for other movies, so I'm uh-huh. sure he would turn out. But, um, yeah, so we kind of, uh, you know, I kind of nudged them. I, I wanted to talk about girls in Star Wars. Uh, I, I it, like how you did it, that. I, I really appreciated mm-hmm. that. And, and I love how you used your daughter. That was great. Well, yeah, that's a real thing with her. You know, it was tough to get her interested in Star Wars originally because she didn't have a connection to it. You know, just didn't feel it. But she really liked Princess Leia. And mm-hmm. so that character means a lot to girls and, and women who grow up <laughs> and mm-hmm. still love Star Wars. There's mm-hmm. the whole lead. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Legion of Leia. Um, it's, uh, uh, it's this group uh, that was founded by Jenna Bush. She's a, she's a tremendous geek writer. She writes about all sorts of different sci-fi mm-hmm. and fantasy. But she created this group as kind of like a, a gathering place for, for female fans of Star Wars. And I think uh, I'm sure you guys agree, like the more the merrier. And mm-hmm. the more people who yeah. love Star Wars, the more popular these movies are, the more of them we get and the more oh, access absolutely. to that world we get. So I wanted to talk about that. And thankfully, uh, you know, they were open to that. And there were definitely things I wanted to know that uh, they weren't ready to share. But um, I also said, look, we, we should just tell the fans, I'm going to bring up, like, we don't have Adam Driver here. We don't have Gwendolyn Christie it's not that we're forgetting to talk about them, mm-hmm. you know, and I think I can't remember whether Kathy said this from the stage or if it was just in our preparations for this, but she goes, you know, we've got 
we've got months to go and other places that will appear and um you know then we'll talk about those characters but for now they just wanted to introduce the leads and that was another thing i said okay so these are the leads of the movie like let's say that because i don't know that that was clear right beforehand yeah. either so anyway this is all preamble you asked about the dinner and um yeah well <laughs> actually you know what that's great, great but though. anthony my god it's just you've got me transfixed by how you're you're telling the story it's just great but yes about this dinner <laughs> <laughs> well um the only disappointing thing was that R2-D2 and BB-8 weren't there. <laughs> Those well, were cool. I, I, I think they saved them for the right moment, and we'll get to that part later. <laughs> well, anyway, the dinner, um, they were kind enough to just say, we're having a dinner. Uh, thanks for staying until 8 o'clock at night to walk through this with us. Would you like to come? And I was like, oh, nah, pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, oh yeah no of course not doesn't sound that interesting jeez uh, haven't i spent enough time with you guys no i was like this wait you want me to go yeah sure thanks for letting me come hang out and um it was an off the record thing mm-hmm. so there's a lot that happened there that sure you can't you know that i can't talk about but that's fine um but i i uh I asked after the fact, like, do you mind if I mention this in the story I'm writing for Entertainment Weekly? Um, just a couple of little details. And they were like, yeah, yeah, that's because I told them what I wanted to talk about. Uh, they said that was cool. But essentially what happened was there's this big table. There's a room uh, or a place called the Napa Rose, I think. Napa at Rose. The, yep. At the, the Grand Californian Hotel. They had a private room in the back. And doors open to a little garden patio, and it was, I describe it in the Entertainment Weekly stories, being like the Star Wars Last Supper, because you've got mm-hmm. Kathy and JJ sitting at the center of the table with uh, Alan Horn, who's the head of uh, Disney Studios, and uh, John Boyega, Mark Hamill, Brian Burke, the producer of the movie, and uh, Oscar Isaac are, are sitting with Anthony Daniels at one end of the table, and at the other end, it's Daisy uh, Ridley and Carrie Fisher and her dog sitting in a little chair. <laughs> yeah, Gary, I read that, and I was like, okay, the dog at the table too, huh? Gary, the French bulldog, was having some sushi, and uh, <sighs> and uh, Peter Mayhew and his assistant were there, uh, and I was sitting between Peter and Oscar Isaac across from JJ and Kathy and uh, it was just a lot of fun you know everybody was in good spirits none of them had seen the trailer oh really oh that's yeah and what they did was they passed JJ's laptop from person to person with a set of earphones <laughs> big the big cans you know the big ear like the princess leia style mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah ear earmuffs and uh, they passed the the laptop from person to person and it was interesting because they started down with Carrie and uh, everybody at the table would watch the person watching the trailer, mm-hmm. you know, to see their reaction. Uh-huh. And Ka- Kathy and JJ had seen it. And at that point, I was told only about five to six people had seen the trailer. <laughs> wow. And, you know, so there was like JJ, obviously, Kathy, um, and the people editing it, right. uh, but but outside of that circle, I think only five, maybe five people at, at Walt Disney Studios had seen it, mm-hmm. and so they were uh, passing it around. And I, to me, it was like watching a bong being passed. You know, because, <laughs> you 
Every, you you kind of plug in and just like take a hit off of this, and then everybody watches <laughs> and waits wow. for their turn, you know. And and really, it was interesting to see the their faces as it as it happened. So, and then the, uh-huh. then the laptop comes to me after Peter Mayhew watches it, and I I I'm I'm the outsider, right? So I said, "Is it okay to watch?" And they said, "Yeah, of course." Like, don't live tweet it or something, but yeah. <laughs> so I put on the earphones and I'm watching, and I. I have to say, like, I'm, I'm watching the little speeder go across the desert, and then I'm thinking, oh, cool, there's a crashed X-Wing. Right on. And then, really, my breath was taken away, as everyone's was the next day, when you realize the mountains that are emerging in the background are not mountains, but that is a crashed yeah, star destroyer. amazing shot. And then, you know, what's funny is it, it plays, a lot happens. Like, then it, it, it cuts really quickly, and... Um, you know, you're seeing a lot, but it's it's your mind is kind of already blown after that very mm. cool opening shot. So you, you see that, and then he hits you with Darth Vader's scorched mask, and at that point, you're kind of like, if you're a big Star Wars fan, all of your synapses are firing. And I'm like, wait a minute, what am I seeing here? Like, okay, there's the hand reaching out and touching R2. There's Luke Skywalker's voice from Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and what I heard. Mark say was he actually re-recorded that dialogue. Um, yeah. He, yeah, it sounds like it was layered. Sorry, go ahead. It's layered. You you hear young Luke Skywalker. Now, you know, 30-some years have gone by, so his voice mm-hmm. is different. He, he, he re-recorded all the dialogue, and if you listen really closely, you can hear the echo of older Mark Hamill saying yep. the same words. Mm-hmm. So you get this sort of reverb through the decades. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, of course, Han Solo comes on with Chewy and says we're home and uh man you can just you just know how that's going to be okay and i'll tell you honestly i was ready to cry it was one of those emotional moments i will say i'm in the old fart of the group i was ready to cry when he says we're home i'm really looking forward to this movie so anyway i'm sorry i didn't didn't mean so so then like about like near the end of people seeing this trailer at the table I mean, just everybody was excited. Each time, each person who saw it was suddenly on cloud nine. And as they got near the end, all of a sudden, that's when all the fireworks started to go off over Disneyland outside. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, and I just have to think, that was a really cool thing to witness, was all of these actors who now are from two generations of Star Wars getting together, breaking bread, telling stories, joking around about life on set, you know, tormenting each other, like, it was a, it was a family gathering, Mm -hmm. you know, what I felt like was if you've been to, if you ever dated somebody, and you're like the boyfriend who shows up at, at, at like a family dinner, (laughs) like, that's how I felt, like, I was welcomed, I was a part of it, but I was an outsider, but still, I could see, I could see the love, I could see some of the animosity, (laughs) you know what I mean, I could see, you could sense some of the, the teasing and the, but, but teasing that you couldn't do if you didn't have a real affection for each other. Right. And, um, and it was just really wonderful to see, I think. And I could tell that, that this movie comes from a a special place for everybody involved. Wow. And it must've been so, so much fun to watch everyone's expressions too, as they were seeing it for the first time. It's like, you know, all those reaction videos become so popular. Uh, and it's like, you see those, on the faces yeah. of people who are in the film. It must be oh, Exactly. One of the more interesting things that I learned 
and, and I think I can share this because it's not, it's not spoiling anything. <laughs> I asked, um, I like asked Daisy and uh, Oscar, like, do you think there are things in this movie that you don't know, even though you're in it? Things they'll change or add, uh, you know, in post production. And both of them said yes, that they do. Oh. And and the type of thing I'm getting at, and I told them about this, is uh, in Empire Strikes Back when they sh- when they wrote the script, it did not have the Luke, I am your father line. Right. right. All it said was, "Join me, join me, and we can we we'll overthrow the Emperor and rule the galaxy together." No, I'll never join you, Luke Skywalker says, and then takes the plunge. When they shot it, the dialogue changed a little bit, and what David Prowse said was, um, Obi, I didn't kill your father. Obi-Wan killed your father. Mm-hmm. And what happened was, this was picked up. This was leaked. So we're talking 1979. The, no internet, obviously, or no... <laughs> Uh, no Twitter where the, these things will just shoot around the globe. But mm-hmm. somebody leaked this to the British press, and there was a story that said the secret villain of Star Wars is going to be revealed as Obi-Wan Kenobi, that he was lying the whole time, that he killed Luke's father. Hmm. And, um, Interesting. And that got out. And people were like, well, you know, I guess that's a spoiler. And, mm-hmm. of course, it wasn't because the reason they – added that line was to cover up for the way James Earl Jones would actually record the line Mm -hmm. uh, to say, I'm your father. So when Luke says, no, that's not possible like that, (laughs) that he's responding to Obi-Wan killed your father, but they (laughs) changed the line to protect the secret. It's funny because now that's one of the biggest, if you think about it, that's one of the biggest possible spoilers. Oh yeah. Any movie right up there with Rosebud in Citizen Mm -hmm. Kane. And yet, yeah. it's not a spoiler because everybody kind of knows it. Like you, you know it before you watch Empire Strikes Back. You know mm-hmm. it if you watch Star Wars for the first time, and you're you're a kid, you know. But um, I would not be surprised if there are things that they shot that will be slightly changed to have different meaning later. Mm-hmm. And I've also heard uh, that there were multiple versions of the script based on. Your level of classification. Interesting. <laughs> you know, because if you're working on creating advertising for the movie, you're going to be told certain things. Mm-hmm. And they, JJ really perfected this on Lost, where they would have dummy scripts mm-hmm. that floated around that were misleading or that were used to hire actors and do the kind of business that you need to do. But mm-hmm. then the actual script would have other things in it. And so it would not surprise me if a lot of these leaks that we've heard are um, are leaking sort of bad information. Now, now none of this is going to get you in trouble, right? <laughs> I, I just... I, no, because I don't know anything. Right. Okay, no, I mean, I, I just... I don't know. I'm, it, it's, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I'm no, just no, fascinated. Fast. Anthony, I, I am say, fascinated what, by this whole thing. What I, I really need to am. say is, like, I, I have not read any of those scripts, but mm-hmm. I have heard that there are multiple levels, that there have been different scripts. Now... Does that mean they're using the Michael Arndt script, which was discarded and rewritten? You know, mm-hmm. right? But but they they're taking a lot of steps to maintain secrecy here. And um, all I know is, and, and maybe the act, maybe there are no surprises. Maybe the actors will be like, "Oh, that's exactly like we shot it." But I do mm-hmm. think I would not put it past them to have surprises in this movie that even the actors are somewhat surprised to see. Wow. 
Now, at this dinner, did the veteran actors offer any advice to the new kids getting into this, to like uh, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, or, or Oscar Isaac, to, about what they're getting into? No. I think, here's the thing, is that at this point, they've already shot a movie together. They all know each other. All, any kind of advice giving was given long ago. You uh-huh. know, at this point, they're just friends. You know, it's not, it wasn't like there was a moment, there was a moment where they, JJ and Kathy raised a toast and said, you know, some nice words about returning to this world and how much it means to them. And, uh, mm-hmm. but there wasn't like, there wasn't a now kids tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, there was a little bit of like, uh, let's not talk too much about how many people will be watching for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Home. Yeah. It's, right, it, yeah. Especially me, you know, like, cause it's, I, I'm content to know that a lot of people are watching. Like, let's not get into numbers because you don't you don't want that information banging around your head, well, especially well, for somebody somebody like so. Daisy Ridley who has not done a lot of this sort of thing before. You know, that was right. really her first moment in public. Mm-hmm. And what Anthony Daniels told me in an interview was, you know, when you make a movie, it's not like this. There's not there's not a lot of like preciousness around the shooting of a film. You just okay, try it again, let's do it differently, let's, you know. But when you go out in front of 5,000 fans who are going totally nuts for you, that's a different feeling. And um, it's a good feeling if you let it, if you, if you can ride it and not be intimidated by it. And I think they were, I think the younger members of the cast were totally cool with it. Yeah, I think they handled themselves very well. Well, afterward, Daisy put on a Bosque mask and mm-hmm. John Boyega put on a, clone trooper helmet and they went out and walked the convention floor and what uh daisy was saying is john isn't really good at being in disguise he kept taking his helmet off because he wanted you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great i remember uh hayden i think hayden christensen did that at celebration three as well so i know that's a that's a celebration tradition yeah but uh <laughs> it's so funny he kept taking so anyway that was the star wars last supper and then the next morning we all got together and what was funny is after all that walk through and preparation like it really rolled i thought it rolled really quickly and everybody was kind of fun and spontaneous and uh the answers were surprising to me in some cases and uh, so uh, what, what surprised you then um if you can say what well what kathy said about uh inviting more women into star wars you know that mm-hmm. wasn't that wasn't a canned response and um i thought that was really enlightening i didn't know a whole lot about harrison ford's condition either mm-hmm. and um i i uh it was good to, it was good that you know jj said i've been texting with him and you know he's having people over for lunch like oh that's good to hear he's not confined to uh, like a hospital bed or something he was home you know i thought that was good to hear um, I was a little surprised that the actors didn't go as far as they were permitted to talk about their characters, but you know that's okay. Uh-huh. That's what that's what a reporter is for. And then I can, <laughs> that's so was there stuff that they were told, and you don't have to say what it is, but was there stuff they were told they could say that they never did share on stage and might be have to be saved for later at that point? No, it was it was mainly stuff like that was sort of confirmed, but maybe a little a little indirectly, like like that he was a stormtrooper. Like got it. Mm-hmm. I think JJ was like, yeah, we should just say he's a stormtrooper. Like, we don't have to keep people guessing on that. Right. And I and I thought that was cool. The idea that here is a uh, a movie that's about a a stormtrooper, an X-wing pilot, 
and a, and essentially a refugee working together. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that's that's kind of neat that you have enemies now as allies. So right. um, the other cool thing, and I don't know if you guys you may already uh, discuss this on previous podcasts, but um, all the little clues that JJ left around celebration that went a little further with the plot than we have not done a celebration recap yet. We were going to be doing that um, probably this, this week because we're still getting over our celebration hangover, I guess is the best way to explain it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, but and, I believe you're talking about like the uh, the Force the, Awakens exhibit. Yeah, they had like the I think um, the Force the Awakens first order exhibit. And... Yeah, they have the for the the that the what looks like the Empire is now called the First Order. What looks like the Rebellion right. is now called the Resistance. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of interesting, and the way they're revealing sort of plot points through Star Wars Battlefront, the video game that'll be out yeah. uh, a few weeks before the movie. Mm-hmm. All of that, it was intriguing to me that he had these this little trail of breadcrumbs where if you followed it, you could um, you could discover some things. And also in the concept art that was beside Ray and Finn's costumes, mm-hmm. each one had a weapon on their person that was an interesting addition. And I think a lot of people missed that. The fact that Finn was holding Anakin and Luke Skywalker's lost lightsaber <laughs> he had <laughs> attached to his jacket and that ray was holding han solo's blaster so oh, that one i missed oh yeah we we did catch the, oh. no go ahead oh sorry continue no go ahead yeah, steven steven you did notice something on uh on ray though yeah, it was, yeah so it's just like the little pieces going through the exhibit you know i when the first time we walked i was like oh that's that's it's really cool to see all the costumes and the models and that's kind of cool. I was kind of hoping for more. And then as I'm sitting there staring at, you know, Ray's staff, I'm like, oh, that, that staff looks really familiar. That looks kind of like a Maul's lightsaber on the end. Maybe it's reusing props. Maybe it's, you know, just an, uh, mm-hmm. an homage or like, but, you know, those little pieces, like you said, you know, Battlefront, the Battlefront teaser, the, uh, the exhibit all throughout the show is really interesting. When Battlefront will reveal what happens at the Battle of Jakku. Oh, that's yeah. so exciting. You know, and... It got me thinking, and I did this post for Entertainment Weekly, kind of taking all of those clues and trying to figure out why, what they mean, why the rebellion would be called the resistance, why the empire would be the first order. And if you think about it, maybe the Battle of Jakku was lost. So the rebels destroyed the second Death Star, they killed Darth Vader, they killed the Emperor. But there's a whole army out there that's still mm-hmm. marching, and they're trying to mop that up in the galaxy. And if there's this colossal battle over Jakku, maybe the rebellion loses it because they were already losing the Death Star battle. They were already kind of on the ropes, if you mm-hmm. remember it. They did not have a ton of extra forces to lose. So yeah. what if the what if we all assume okay the Empire falls, peace in the galaxy, right? Mm-hmm. What if the rebels lost? What if all of those people in scruffy wraps that we see in the photos of Jakku are kind of refugees left over. You know, mm. they look like they're being kept in camps. Yeah. And um, what if Han Solo is hiding out on Jakku and Rey is his daughter? You know? <laughs> That's a really That's, interesting theory. Wow. You know? huh. but, yeah. Because he, if, if he was a general, he would have been fighting in 
this battle. Maybe he ended up right. getting stuck there. And it only takes place, what, a few weeks after Return of the Jedi? So. Jakuti. Yeah. The, the movie yeah. takes Right, place, the movie is, the, yeah, 30, 40. You know, decades later. Mm-hmm. So, you know, very easily, things could be worse off than we ever thought. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a good way to start the movie, because what kind of movie are you going to have if the rebels are like, no, the authority? You know, right. it's good. To, it's good to keep our heroes as underdogs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I and I should bring... say, I should stress that is pure conjecture sure. on my point. I didn't <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. We we completely yeah. understand. We, that. we do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I that's never... what this podcast is for. <laughs> Uh, but, I heard a little bit of extra stuff, but nothing that was that deep. About. No, that's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I I was just going to bring up, I, I have to ask you, when you were out on stage and saw BB-8 come out, what was your reaction? Because did you see that before he came out, or was that oh, yeah, the yeah. first time? We, we practiced that the night before, because one thing was they didn't want to have BB-8 roll off the stage and shatter in front of them. <laughs> well, of course, but, but... Oh, that would have been awful. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I, and um, I just thought it was really cool. Now, I knew I knew it was a model. Uh, a lot of people didn't know that, I think, beforehand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I was surprised when I heard a couple of months ago that BB-8 was a real model. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but um, not just a visual effect. Some of, some of the times, BB-8 is visual effect. But, um, sure, just like R2-D2, sometimes digital, sometimes real. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's probably one of the most surprising things about about the panel. I, I guess I was kind of expecting, you know, the cast to come out, and we, we knew we'd see the trailer, but actually seeing BB-8 was mm-hmm. one of the more surprising things. It was just so cool. I was blown. You know, I was blown away. I had the same reaction that probably you guys had and everybody had. I know my daughter had it, which is, I want one. I want a mm-hmm. BB-8. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I need to figure out how I'm going to get him into my office. <laughs> He'll be at work. I think the rumors are going to release a toy this this fall or something, a BB-8 toy. But if they can't, yep. if they can get a toy together, it's just going to it's going to be the tickle me Elmo of this. Christmas <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it will. Yeah, it will. Uh, that's so cool. What was your reaction? Uh, uh, um, I'm. I think Stephen and William. Why don't you guys go first? To to BB-8 or the whole the whole thing? BB-8. BB-8. So, oh, yeah. I, I my jaw dropped. I mean, I just was surprised that BBA actually could roll around and stay upright and, and all that kind of stuff. And then it wasn't digital cause I, I had assumed BBA was digital. So that was so cool. That's one of the highlights. I mean, as, as one of the surprising things, I guess, uh, from the, the whole panel. Cause I, I yeah. definitely was not expecting BB eight. I wasn't yeah, expecting I think, the trailer as awesome as it is. I think for me, it was, you know, coming out of the prequels, which, I enjoyed, but I felt there were times, you know, they were too digital. And JJ had said, like, yeah, you know, we're going to do a lot more with visual effects. Like, they showed the X-Wing, uh, you know, in the early Force for Change video. But I think, for me, the biggest one was when they rolled BB-8 on, out on stage. And this was, you know, like you said, this was something everyone thought was CGI. Because why would you want to do that, you know, as an actual model? When, why, like, what does that actually give you other than being, you know, a pain in the ass to make? Mm-hmm. And the fact that they, they did it anyway was just... It was the biggest proof to me, at least, that you know they're they're really serious about what they've been talking about. That this is, they're trying to do this all with you know a, a practical blend of practical effects and CGI, and to make it look better. You know that the shot of Jakku, the trailer, it all just came together. But I think BB-8 rolling out on stage was the first moment where that 
that really sunk in for me. Somebody online called him the anti-Jar Jar, where you see him, and even though he's new, like Star Wars fans just instantly embrace that character. I'd have to agree with that. I, I really would. Yeah. Even though Jar Jar in the Clone Wars had his place when he was written correctly, I will admit that for him. Except the, like I will always say, the one episode with the bad voice actor. But hey, I, I still like Jar Jar. <laughs> you know, I, you, I, I, I like Jar Jar too, but like I said, I've always said when he's written well, but when it comes to this one, I was amazed when he came out because I was trying to figure out how did they do that to keep the dome on top? And then to see him and R2 kind of size up each other, that I thought was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. I thought I, what would have been funnier is if Chopper showed up, what Chopper would have done with BB-8. <laughs> Well, you may just get Chopper in um, Rogue One. They made it pretty clear that there could be crossover there. Oh yeah, I would. I, I would be okay with that. That way, I'd be okay with that too. Wow. It, so, Anthony, I'm kind of curious. Like, you know, you were talking at the very beginning. You know, as a kid walking into the theater and seeing Star Wars, like, what does it feel like to walk to you know to be that same person and then walk out on stage? having had dinner with not only the old guard, so to speak, but the new guard to have seen BB-8 and R2 to interview, you know, the new director, Kathleen Kennedy, JJ, like how, like, how do you reconcile like the kid inside of you that, that was there when it all started and, you know, the reporter for EW that, you know, you have to be mostly professional. You can't sit there and kind of cry like yeah. a girl when Han and Chewie show up. And <laughs> what is it like? I'll tell you what, I, I don't know. It's um, I don't know if I cry like a girl, but because uh, I saw a lot of guys crying there. <laughs> that's, that's very very true. <laughs> okay, I had a tear. I will admit that. Um, I think really, what I, I have to do in that situation is the the fan in me, the kid in me, has to sit in the back seat, um, and I try to just be a professional, you know, and not geek out I, I enjoy myself uh out there doing essentially the job i do usually in private which is just ask some questions and try to try to find some interesting topics to explore and that happened on stage instead of in a trailer or in an office or mm-hmm. at a restaurant you know um the, what i always tell people whenever they like I bring a guest to like a, a movie event or something where they're going to meet a celebrity is um, don't freak out. Just be yourself and don't ask for photos. Don't ask for autographs. Just have a conversation. And when it's done, they will feel better about it and you will feel better about it. You may wish like, Oh, I wish somebody had, I wish I had a memento or a picture, but what you have is a memory mm-hmm. and that is a lot better than a picture and a, lot, a hell of a lot better than an autograph. You, you have an experience. And if you go up and you ask for a picture or a photo, you're, you might get it, but that's all you're going to get. Then they're going to say, okay, well, thanks for being a fan. Yeah. And if you gush, there's no real way to respond to gushing except thank you and then thank you again. And then thank you over and over and over and over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. That gets pretty old. So... You know, when I was rehearsing with them, I'm trying to be a reporter and I'm trying to get them to tell me some stuff and uh, 
and go a little further maybe than they were willing to at first. And I'm trying to respect their boundaries as well. And at dinner, I'm just trying to be a human being just like they are mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, laugh and drink and eat and tell stories and listen to stories. And then on stage, it's, uh, again, I'm there to do a job, and that job is for all of the people who are watching. Mm-hmm. Try not to be obnoxious. Try not to be uh, super geeky. Like, you don't want to be Chris Farley, the Chris Farley show, you know? Like, remember that time when you directed Star Wars? Like, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. Like, <laughs> have things to ask. Right. And, um, and um you know, try to be like a good host. The job is to be like an MC, to be a host, and it's really like hosting a party. If you throw yeah. a party at your house and you invite a bunch of people over, you introduce them to each other and and try to get conversation started. And so that was kind of the way I saw it was I was in a privileged position as somebody who really loves and respects Star Wars to bring it to a whole world full of people who feel the same. And I hope I did it in a way that they liked, you know, we can't please everybody as JJ and I discussed. (laughs) um, I kind of uh, altered the question that came. We had fan questions um, that were submitted. I kind of altered one. One was like, how, how can you assure us that this movie is going to be to our liking? And I think I changed it to something like, JJ, how can you assure all the fans that every single last one of them will be satisfied? With this movie? <laughs> you know, because it's, it's, you know, somebody's going to be unhappy no matter what happens. But I tried to make it right. an intimate experience. I tried to conjure the good feelings that, and memories that everybody has. And then give them something new, you know, get them to talk a little bit about the yeah. movie in a way that no one has heard yet. And and then stand back and get out of the way when the cool robots come out or when the right. stormtroopers come out, um, you know, and try or try to if there's awkwardness to smooth it over. And yeah. um, the only moment of awkwardness uh, there was there were two. I was trying to get the builders for the r2d2 off stage and say goodbye I, to them i saw that in fact it, it showed a little bit more prominent when i saw the uh stream later yeah, yeah. well because they didn't build bb8 that was a different team that was the creature shop um scanlon and his team in london who built bb8 mm-hmm. so to get away from any confusion we were supposed they those fellows were supposed to go and then as they, as they left and R2 was heading out, I was supposed to say, let's talk about BB-8. And then BB-8 was going to come out and circle R2 and have a kind of moment there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they think, I think it was partly my mistake. Like I made it seem like R2 was leaving and they were like, mm-hmm. well, no, we need BB-8. I'm like, okay. I, hopefully that didn't derail things too much. But like we very quickly recovered from that. But then when everybody was taking pictures at the end, um, it got really quiet in that auditorium <laughs> and that was weird, you know? And I realized, uh-huh. Oh, uh, we have this silence because the music was very low and there was just like, this right. weird hush. there's quiet because everybody's got their cameras out. You know, I think everybody was just <laughs> stunned. Yeah. And I, I would say it didn't feel awkward in the, in the audience at least. No. I barely even noticed the lack, you know, the, or the quiet music. Yeah, very um, quiet. Cause so we was... were just all so excited about, you know, BB eight and R2D two and everything that, yeah, I, I didn't even notice that. I, I did briefly notice like, I noticed, I think someone whispered in your ear 
real quick or something. But you you rolled with it really smoothly and it just went right oh, with on. The ro- so with the robots thing. Yeah, the... yeah, just briefly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it was like the only awkwardness was those guys said goodbye twice. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know, it was just sort of like, all right, thanks guys. Like, yeah. But uh, but that was that's that's a live presentation, you know. Yeah. Right. Um, but every they seemed to be happy. Everybody was excited. Um, and then it was cool to stand backstage with. Um, Kathy and JJ and watch them watch the trailer and watch it at like an extreme angle. Like they're basically watching this trailer they've worked on in, on a giant screen in sort of sliver form, uh, looking up at it and everybody out essentially listening for the reaction that everybody had. And it was kind of cool just to watch them watch it while you, you guys and everybody else watch that trailer for the first time. And very- I want to thank you for saying, play it again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I appreciate that. That Tom was, actually said play it again and I think a second or two later, yeah, you, you, yeah. you did that as well. Yeah, that was fun. That was that was a nice way to close it out. But of course they played again. I, I think partly I was I was they were gonna do this anyway, but I said it's good that you're playing it again because like I said, your brain is blown. Your mm-hmm. mind is blown by watching it. So you want you want to watch it again just so you can see the things that you didn't that just went by too quickly, you know? Right. Well, I know that like, at least for myself, I did not realize Either first that Han said Chewie's name, or that uh, Chewie roared after his line mm-hmm. until almost the next day. Because every time, they, the moment they even showed up on screen, on screen, people were screaming. Yes. And it was like it wasn't until I was sitting in the hotel room the next morning doing my morning ritual now of watching the trailer <laughs> that I actually realized like oh like there there was actually more dialogue that I just, I couldn't hear it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot in there, a lot to see, and uh, I'm kind of curious what they'll do next. I don't think they'll have another trailer for quite a while, mm-hmm. but um, who knows? Maybe we'll get. I'm, I'm sure they're going to be at uh, D23, and they'll be at Comic Con. Kind of have mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll get a clip. Maybe we'll get something. Who knows? So I I got to ask you. We're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here, but a really quick question: Would you do this again? Would you host the panel like that again? Yes, I would. I would. Would you guys want me to? Oh, heck yeah. I, Definitely. Like, like I said, like, like you were saying, I thought you, you did a great job striking a balance between being mm-hmm. uh, you know, like a genuine fan and also trying to, um, as you say, kind of emcee the whole thing and introduce everybody and, and keeping things running. And uh, yeah, You, you weren't one of those annoying people who, you know, sometimes get up there and you're like, oh, just be quiet and let the real, let the people we want yeah. to hear talk. To, you know, it wasn't anything like that at all. So, Thought you did a fantastic job there. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. You, you try to have a conversation, um, but I have seen other people do it, and it sort of becomes a stand-up comedy show. And yeah, uh, you know, that's not what you want. You know, it, it, that's, sometimes that's funny, but it's not. I've often noticed like it comes at the expense of the people that everybody is there to actually see. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope what I did was introduce it, ask some good questions, and then get out of the way. Right. And, yeah. and I think you did exactly that. Yeah. Because they're not there to see you. You're there to show them Star Wars. Yeah. Right. And um, it was fun. Like, my favorite moment of the whole thing was at the dinner. At the end, um, my wife calls me. And it's like it's like 1030, I would say. Mm-hmm. And um, she hasn't heard from me all night. Like, she, <laughs> she knew I had re- you know, re- a walkthrough at 4 we're a long way from 4 p.m. So she hadn't heard from me and she calls and, uh, you know, she's like, are you okay? Is everything all right? 
I'm like, yeah, I'm having I'm having dinner. I'm having dinner with Star Wars, <laughs> and everybody, everybody was still. We were kind of leaving at that point, but like everybody around the table just kind of laughed. Like, yeah, we're Star Wars, you know. Oh, this is so cool. That's um, very cool. And was this your first celebration, or had you been to? I've never before? been to celebration before. No, because um, they don't have it every year. Yeah, and they have it. It's usually in some far off place. You know, the last one was Essen. Germany uh, two years ago and um, I'll tell you there hasn't been a lot of reason for somebody like me to go to so as fun as it is Mm -hmm. uh, you know there haven't been new movies for 10 years so um, I think celebration is gonna continue to amp up and grow and become bigger Mm -hmm. more common because even the night before I was trying to figure out um, we were on the stage, and I, I wasn't at like my laptop or anything. I was like, "How many? How many celebrations have there been?" Uh-huh. And it was it was a tricky question because there hasn't been one every year. Like we knew, right. Kathy knew it started in '99, but she was like, "You know, it's not even every other year. Sometimes there are big it's gaps." Almost like two and a half. Yeah, every two to three years, except for the ones in 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 Europe or Japan. Yeah, are in the middle. Yeah. So, I think it's been what ten uh, or eleven or something like that. There've been eleven, yeah. but um, seven of them have been in the U.S. and um, uh, it was fun to go, and uh, obviously I've been to Comic Con and WonderCon and other conventions, but um, it was remarkable to go where there was only one story, one and that I agree with franchise that's yep. the focus of the whole thing, and uh, that was fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I know you're also an author, and you've done a book. Uh, yes. You've done Brutal Youth. You want to kind of. This is your opportunity to talk about it a little bit because I know we've done a lot of Star Wars on this. But, and I have to say, my daughter has read it, and Anthony, I have to admit, I have so many books in front of me right now, especially trying to get caught up with the new Star Wars, all yeah. the new canon, because we are the Ion Canon podcast. We are trying to keep an eye on canon. Yes. There's uh, the pun, guys. Double meaning. Ion Canon, Ion Canon. That's so, right. I had to throw a pun yep. in there sometime. But <laughs> I, I do have it on my list to read your book. Would you like to would you like to give it a plug? Sure. Well, you know, we're changing gears here from a galaxy far, far away to uh, high school in the nineties. The the book is called Brutal Youth. It's like a survival war story, a dark comedy about kids at a crumbling Catholic school who are trying to survive any way they can. They're trying to protect themselves without losing who they are. Mm-hmm. It's it's a friendship story. It's a rebellion story. So a little bit of Star Wars there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's my attempt at telling a, uh, a kind of crazy, messed up coming of age story about friends who stick together no matter what and friends mm-hmm. who pull apart no matter what. Um, it's uh, it's funny because it does have some Star Wars in it, a little bit, because these are kids who, you know, that's, that's when I was in high school, so they grew up with Star Wars like I, I did, and so, like, they kind of reference it a couple of different points. So somebody was like, oh, you should have plugged your book at Celebration, and I'm like, that would have been the fastest way to get booed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> way like you know to, to pull a troy mcclure like you may remember me from such things as this little book that is a speck of dust compared to star wars but um 
it's funny because I was thinking like there is some Star Wars in it. One of the there's a character who's like a little large for being a freshman in high school. Like he's a big dude, and I kind of remember this. Like I don't know if you guys had somebody like this in one of your classes, but like he's just bigger than everybody else. Like mm. taller, more muscular. Yeah. You know, hit a growth spurt or something. And one of the kids describes it as like you know how like you have. Uh, G.I. Joes are just a little bit bigger than your Star Wars figures. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't quite fit in the same machines. Like He's kind of like that, a G.I. Joe mm-hmm. up against Kenner's Star Wars figure. And at another point, like a character, there's this kid who's head over heels for this girl, and he's convinced that it's like this big, meaningful relationship, and it's his destiny. And another character's like, well, way, way to go, Darth Vader. Like, you know, this is high school, not your destiny. <laughs> you know, so... Um, it's kind of funny, like there are all sorts of little Star Wars things and other pop culture references scattered throughout. But um, hopefully, anybody who uh, is interested in a, a real life rebellion story can check out Brutal Youth. Thanks for the plug, Tom. No problem, anytime. And then also, also any really cool articles coming up in Entertainment Weekly that you can talk about, just you know, a brief. Yeah. Up. Well, um, we are. You know, what I've been doing all this week is publishing the Q and A's I did with the actors uh, mm-hmm. around celebration. So after I did the interview on the stage and part of the live stream, like went back and I talked to John. Boyega and talked to Daisy Ridley and I talked to uh, Mark Hamill and Anthony Daniels together. That was really fun because, wow. they, um, you know, they those two guys had a lot of stories about Alec Guinness and, you know, how high maintenance he was on the original Star Wars. <laughs> and, and then I talked to Carrie Fisher and they're, they're brief interviews and they don't get to talk about the plot of The Force Awakens, sure. but it's kind of interesting to hear their thoughts on Star Wars and their memories of it and, and then talking to Daisy and John about who they are because they're basically newcomers. You know, John had Attack the Block and a couple of TV roles and otherwise not known for a whole lot. Daisy Ridley, same sort of thing. Um, basically newcomers. So who they are, what they're about, that was uh, something I wrote about and uh, you can find all that on EW.com. Yeah, and I also, really enjoyed your, I just read the John Boyega uh, interview um, just earlier this afternoon and I thought it was Really, really cool. So nice I, it's tough for, when I talk about them because you have Daisy Ridley and John Boyega, and then you have John Ridley, who's the screenwriter of Twelve Years a Slave, and is doing mm-hmm. like a Marvel. <laughs> I, I keep wanting to say John Ridley, like <laughs> mashing <laughs> two of them together. But um, yeah, they they were fun to talk to, and we're gonna air um, on. I host a radio show on Sirius XM. 105 that's the ew channel and we're going to air the whole celebration panel as a star wars special uh coming up i think on may the 6th which is two days short of when it should run if you ask right be may the 4th Mm -hmm. but on may the 6th we'll run that and um we'll include uh some of these other extras you get to hear some cool stuff hopefully so if you're a star wars fan you can check that out awesome well great Anthony, we really appreciate you joining us for this episode. Big this has been this a was great. pleasure chatting with you. Um, oh, it's my all pleasure. the behind-the-scenes <laughs> information. So thank you so much. Oh, it's lots of fun. Thanks, guys. And yeah, yeah, definitely make sure to to check out his book and uh, all the great interviews on EW.com and, and follow you on Twitter and all that stuff. So Yeah, on Twitter, I'm at Bresnikan, which is uh, at B-R-E-Z-N 
I C A N, and uh, you can tell me how wrong I am about my uh, the rebellion was defeated theory. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody on Twitter was like, uh, "What were they complaining about?" Like some theory I I was putting forward, like, uh, "Oh, it was like, well, what makes you?" Because I, I was like, "I wonder what Han is looking at when he says we're home. Is he looking at just the Falcon?" Or is he looking at somebody who's in that room? Because they're looking into that room where the mm. chessboard is. You right. know, it's like I was like, maybe, maybe they're leaving the Falcon because that's an interior room. Maybe they're walking out, and uh, they've come, they've landed somewhere. You know, and somebody was like, oh man, they're just saying it to the Falcon that they, you know, they're they're glad to see it again. And I'm like, well, what makes you think they would ever part with it? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how like there are these. There are these holes in what we know, and we yeah. all try to fill it with kind of what we hope or what we want, and eventually we're just going to get the story. And mm-hmm. like I said, we'll just be we'll be in the back seat. Right now, it's open to interpretation, but eventually, it'll be kind of cool to get just sort of the lowdown on what happens. Mm-hmm. Sure. Wow. Well, thanks again, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to you hopefully in the future. Yeah. Well, I'll keep an eye on Canon. So thanks for <laughs> thank you. Thank you very <laughs> much, Anthony. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production of fans, by fans, and is copyright 2015.